Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Muddy Knees Media. The heating's on. It's getting darker earlier and earlier, so why not cheer yourself up this November with a subscription to The Athletic for just £1 a week? For only 100 of your English pence every seven days, you'll get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay here, having had very little sleep. My eyes are glued to the election, lockdown news, football. There's just so much going on. Uh, Fortunately, I've got company in the form of the very best reporter and presenter out there. First up, in the gold corner. It should be red and blue, really, shouldn't it? But anyway, gold corner, representing Wolverhampton in England. Well, someone has to never one to shy away from a jigsaw puzzle and she's going to need them again, folks. That's right. It's Lindsay Hula Hooper. <laughs> Yay. Loving that boxing voice. And as luck would have it, I'm wearing, not that the listeners would know, but I'm wearing golden black jumper. Oh, golden times. And in the red corner, she's been up from 5am, not just because of the American election, but also because she's the mama representing Manchester United in England, Middlesbrough in England, Real Madrid, Scotland, frankly, any team she wants. It's Hayley McMommy McQueen. Well, thank you. What an introduction. At least when you said in the red corner, you kind of slipped in the Man United and Middlesbrough. I was slightly worried about being, you know, a Trump, yeah, a little, a little Trump Republican, which I'm, I'm definitely not. Not that I'm American and I even have the right to vote. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not for the red side at the moment. And um, God knows what's happening there. By the time people listen to this, we will know. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, we, we, we actually probably might not 
to be honest. I don't think we'll find out much until tomorrow, Friday. But, you know, it could, of course, go on for weeks and weeks, couldn't it? Like 78 days until the inauguration of hell for the American people. Anyway, enough of that already. Um, Tell me what you've been doing football-wise, ladies. Well, I've been interviewing Pepe at Arsenal. Um, So I did that socially distanced yesterday at Arsenal's training ground. Um, It was done via... French translation but a little fact that you might not be aware of is that he used to be a goalkeeper so I'm doing a feature around that and how he changed position. Not many footballers move from being in goal to being an attacking uh, attacking player do they you see a lot of I was thinking about this like with Connor Cody started in midfield and became a centre-back and like Hector Bayerin used to be a midfielder and made into a full-back but you don't see many goalkeepers that end up being attacking players no my, my dad started out as a goalkeeper actually did he my granddad was a goalkeeper for Accrington Stanley and who were they I know, exactly <laughs> sorry so it just it's just know, default it is, for me it? I'm afraid um, um so yeah. are you still allowed to what's the kind of lockdown latest with both of you then as we imagine we obviously know what's going on it's pretty much life as usual isn't it in front of the cameras but what anything changed behind the cameras again um for me I just feel a little bit sad because I have a little girl who would like to go out and play and do some fun stuff I took her to soft play for the first time ever she was absolutely in her element because she's walking now so for all those parents out there I think that's where um, I think things are very difficult also for people living on their own as well obviously it's that's hard especially when you're having to work from home you can feel very isolated but having kids and not being able to take them out and do anything and it's it's just that little bit too cold just to head out to the park and run around wild isn't it so for me it's just inside thankfully at least this lockdown we do have football to watch on TV so I'm very grateful of that I'll be working on it still I had a good little spell of time off recently and then came straight back into things and um, was updating the Fulham West Brom game on Monday and then um, was yeah was hoping that Leeds were going to do something against Leicester which which they didn't on Monday night so I'd had a little spell off and then it was back-to-back football matches for me on Monday and realized okay mm. I'm just I'm glad I have this in my life right now. I think I had the game of the weekend, by the way. I I was at Villa Park, Villa against Southampton, seven goals. Um, And and yeah, like you say, Hayley, I am so, so grateful to be able to still go to matches and be able to carry on working. Um, Mm. Is everything still the same behind the scenes, um, Lindsay, when you're working? Well, at the moment it is this week, but I think my Monday to Friday job, I'm going to be best friends with video conferencing again soon, I think. But I'm (laughs) I'm just really, really happy to be able to carry on doing what I do. And I know that so many people are struggling right now so I, I won't be complaining obviously there's lots of different forms and so much more now that you have to fill in um, and, and yes. temperature checks and all of those bits but yeah it's it is sort of a little bit hashtag lockdown light isn't it? it's not not quite as harsh as the last time but still um horrible um for anyone who's who's you know struggled with mental health as well or just feeling a bit restricted and a bit rubbish it's of course it's it's, it's, a, it's a horrible time of year in terms of the weather so we don't we don't get that on our side well just to set some balance here, to cheer us up a little bit, some heartwarming news this week uh, that uh, Wimbledon returned to Plough Lane. Yes. What an amazing journey. What a brilliant it's been story. The They're yeah. back in their home, yeah. Now, do you remember, ladies, what you were doing the last no. time Wimbledon played at Plough Lane? <laughs> Gosh, that was like 91. Fourth of Yes, 4th of May, 1991. Now, how old would you have been, Lindsay? You're the baby of the group, aren't you? I think I would have been nine 
So what what would have been going on in Lindsay Hooper's so, well, world it would at, have been, at the age of nine? It would have been summer holidays, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. No, no it wouldn't have been summer holidays. Spring, Spring term. term. So I, I reckon I'd have been playing badminton in one of my friend's closes. I used to do that a lot around my local neighbours. We used to go and play around each other's closes. Um and maybe going over the local park with friends. I had two years previously had my first dog and I was besotted with Scampy. Oh, so Scampy. I think Scampy would be involved in these adventures. I'd have probably been taking him for a walk or going over the park and throwing his ball. So, And yeah. Hayley, where would you have been living at this time? So I'd have been in Scotland, actually. So I would be just outside Glasgow um, at school and probably just about to start secondary school, I think. Yeah, it would have been my... Yes, because I would have been at secondary. I think I would have been 12. Yeah, I was 11. So it would have been my first year of secondary school. And I think... I do. I'm trying to think where my dad... So my dad, obviously, for those that don't know, had played football. um, And I think at the time... What was he doing in 91? I think he might have been coaching St Mirren back then and working at STV with Jim White, who I now obviously present oh, alongside. Wow. So, no. Yeah, it's quite funny. There you go. Wow. Mm. Well, I think I was desperately trying to look cool walking around the school perimeter in a jumper that was far too big for me and a skirt that was far too I mean, short. you were only probably. a few years away from moving to London, Kate, so you're probably planning that <laughs> yeah. trip. I was probably preparing that, you're right, yes. Uh, well, let's get into the week's show, shall we? Because um, it's a busy old week, topics flying around all over the place. We're going to be talking about the FA Cup because that continues this weekend with the first round proper and there are a few non-elite teams getting to play too, so we'll be telling you a little bit about some of those. And this was the week that saw Mick McCarthy appointed as Apoel Nicosia boss. So we're going to be checking in on some other Brits abroad. Give Mick a bit of inspiration, see how they're doing. Uh, But first, everyone stand up and put your hand on your heart, folks. We're going stateside. Oh, well, you may have noticed uh, election year in America... Uh, Most uh, US people went to the polls on Tuesday or they voted early, postally or in person. And there's all sorts of stuff going on over there, isn't there? Um, In fact, it probably won't be sorted out by the time you listen to this, folks. Goodness knows how long it's going to rumble on for. But that hasn't stopped us using the US election as a tenuous link. Uh, between it and football. Always a good excuse to link the both. Otherwise, we'd just and have our heads in hands. That's why. Well, exactly. Let's move it on. So sh- <laughs> shall, we, shall we celebrate some Yanks that have done well, that have been able to get a conclusive result so far? Um, we'll start, uh, if you can, with one or two... Um, you know, pride of pride of the USA examples. So one or two examples that worked and then maybe uh, a couple of people who didn't, uh, for whom it didn't work out so well. Who wants to go first? Hayley, let's go to you, shall we? Okay, well, you may remember uh, a good few years ago that Fulham managed to have a whole host of um, Americans playing for them. I mean, a whole host. There was a couple, but they did really well, didn't they? Um, Team USA, yeah, bringing Americans over and actually doing pretty well. One of those, uh, Brian McBride, who actually works with the US soccer setup right now. He was the first American, I think, to become a regular scorer in England. Now here's a chance as McBride arrives and finds the net. Manchester United contributing to their own downfall. 
but the veteran American Brian McBride has driven Fulham in front. He made 159 appearances and actually scored 45 goals. So that is very impressive indeed. He was a, a massive fan's favourite. He was the team captain as well. He was player of the season for two separate seasons. And um, what he finally did leave the club and, and, and head back to the States eventually, um, they actually named the sports bar at Craven Cottage after them. So, yeah, the McBride's Bar, which... Yeah, which I've just put a wee Scottish accent on there, but he's absolutely not Scottish. Um, but but he definitely came over from the USA and I think kind of was one of those that, that paved the way for other um, Americans to come over and, and try their hand in, in the Premier That's League. That's where I can jump in because I, I actually think that it was that experience with McBride that meant that Fulham thought, you know what, we can shop in the US market and we can have success. And they picked out another golden ticket with Clint Dempsey. 43 goals and 171 appearances for Fulham. Um, he set the American record, actually, for goals in the Premier League with 50 in 185 appearances. He does hold Fulham's all-time goal-scoring record as well. Uh, voted Fulham's Player of the Year in 2010-11. Um, led Fulham, do you remember the Europa League campaign that they went on? And they went all the way to the final in 2010. He was part of that. Um, and after Fulham, he did move across London to Spurs. Um, he scored seven goals in 29 appearances. Not too shabby there either, but that wasn't what he will be remembered for. It will be his time at Fulham. Well, speaking of Spurs, that sort of tenuously links us into Brad Friedel and just the, the general excellence of US-born keepers in the Premier League. Brad Friedel I'm picking out um, because, and it's still a mad stat this when you think about it, he holds the record for the most consecutive league appearances, 310 in a row, spanning from August 2004 until October 2012. Isn't that incredible? Not, Eight, not that one is niggle. incredible. Nothing. Not a knock, Incredible. not anything. No, in terms of league appearances, yeah, absolutely. Uh, born in Ohio, uh, he played for Liverpool too as well, and Blackburn, Aston Villa, um, Spurs during his uh, during the latter part of his Premier League career. But, um, you know, all up, hey, bread, uh, for a fantastic keeper. Um, 18 years he was goalkeeping in the Premier League for, and, you know, I could chuck in Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, Casey Keller, you know, some, some, some great goalkeeping excellence that the USA has provided us. See, I am torn, actually, between who was the best. Was it Friedel or was it Tim Howard? I mean, you, you've talked about that incredible run that he went on in consecutive appearances. I just think with Tim Howard, maybe in terms of silverware and the clubs... And profile. And the clubs that he played for at the time. Yeah. Whether he yeah. just edges it you know with Manchester United he was the starter Haley, wasn't he until Edwin van der Sar came in so if you if you're talking and also this is the same sort of era so 2005 and and you go back to that time it was all about Friedel and Howard both American keepers so 2004 won the FA Cup starting in goal for Manchester United as well named in the best 11 in England in that year then went on because I think his most memorable time will be nearly a decade with Everton, won't it? And he led Everton to the FA Cup final in 2009. And I think the most memorable of the matches would be that semi-final when he stopped two penalties against his former club, Manchester United. Got plenty of friends behind that goal as well. And he can't put it past Howard. So the technique didn't work for Berbatov. 
And we still haven't had a goal here at Wembley today. Well, it was too casual on that occasion. Um, but he has the, the record Clayton for clean Baines sheets at name. Everton as well. I, I think it's tough because I think they were both so good and to have them at sort of that same time, 2004, 2005, uh, just felt very coincidental, but they, they were both brilliant. Where do you want to go next, Hayley? Good or bad? Um, I'm going to go um, bad. And it, it's a player that... He's a sublime talent, but just for whatever reason, he just didn't cut it when he came to England to try and ply his trade over here. It is, can you guess, ladies, Jose Altidore, who went to Hull and Sunderland. Yeah, so he got his first taste of Premier League football um, heading over to Hull. He actually just scored one goal in 28 top flight appearances um, he was he was there on loan it was a move that obviously wasn't made permanent uh, Sunderland then decided to sign him thinking oh well it's it, it, it's got to be Hull it's got, just got to be the area it's got to be his you know his team that, that's why he's just not cutting it this guy is a, a super talent because he's had a couple of stellar seasons at AZ Alkmaar so they went in and signed for him but yet again he had a return of just one goal in 42 Premier League games they sold him to Toronto and he's actually scoring goals <laughs> for fun doing now. really well. Sometimes yeah, he, it just doesn't fit, doesn't it? You know, some, whether it's whether it's the pace, whatever, whether it's being away from home. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And during lockdown, I was reading 442 magazine. They did an issue, I, I think it was around April time, and it was the worst, 50 worst Premier League players in history. And he came in, Hayley, at number five. In that Ooh, list, harsh, yes. isn't it? I just can't understand how someone can do so well in Europe, away from the UK, yet just not be able to cut it over here. There's got to be something about the pressures of maybe playing in England. Well, I mean, it's he was playing he, style, isn't it? It's it's homesickness for a lot of players as well. Sometimes it just doesn't click, does it? Or they can be just not in a great place with it. Um, I'm going to bring in a podcast favourite now, ladies. Big Bad Bob. Oh, Do you, know who I'm about? you know what? We're snapping on this slightly, but go on. <laughs> Bob Bradley. The game uh, can be cruel, and when you go through a, a bad period as a team, it just seems like uh, everything that can go wrong goes wrong, and that's uh, a rut we're in right now. Big bad Bob. Yes, Bob Bradley, or should that be Bob Badley? Because he didn't do too well, did he, in the Premier League? The first American coach to manage in the Premier League, but won only two out of 11 games, picked up just eight points and sacked a Swansea City manager after only 11 games in charge. Um, he will argue that it was just, he was set up to fail, basically. He did do a few, has done a few um, interviews subsequently where he was asked about his time at Swansea and he just said he wishes Swansea had never, off never offered him the job, although he took it, so, you know. Anyway, uh, as I said, feels like he was set up uh, to fail. Not a good time for him, not a good time for the club, maybe. And it did not work out. I have to say, I feel for the Bradley family, full stop, when it comes to England and time in England. It's like they are cursed. So you've given the example of Bob Bradley, father of Michael Bradley, one of the best defenders over in the States, comes over and has a loan spell. He, he'd actually been playing for Borussia Mönchengladbach back, um, doing fairly well over in other European sides, had a spell with Aston Villa, just three appearances and off he trots, uh, never to be seen again. So I, I feel for the Bradley family. I don't think they should vacation here for the want of the US word for it. Um, I think they should just <laughs> they give England not want a to. wide berth. Yeah. And Wales, of course, with Swansea. All right. Well, we do love the Americans. So, you know, part uh, 
apart from the Bradley family, which Lindsay's banished forever, um, the other ones are all welcome. Uh, with all that said and done, let's get globe trotting next. This is the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Let's talk Brits abroad then. This week, Mick McCarthy finally found himself a new job. And where does the Barnsley man find himself? Well, it's Cyprus. Good on him. Apoel Nicosia is where he's headed to. Nice work if you can get it. Although he is the sixth manager there in two years. So history tells us he's going to have to tread carefully. But whilst he's there, we'll use the opportunity to speak about other British managers who are currently plying their trade outside of the United Kingdom. Hayley. Okay, I've just got a few people that I want to mention. There wasn't one specifically that I'm just going to kind of wax lyrical about, but good examples of others who are looking to go abroad. And I think the the theme tends to be, yes, I know we've had your Steve McLarens and Roy Hodgson have gone on to be England manager, big names managing abroad. Not many people do it, do they? Um, it tends to be the lesser known names in football who have to go abroad to try and cut it. And it's the bigger names who have more contacts, who are more well known. So over here, when they're applying for jobs, I guess their name will help them towards a, a, a position. But you just look at Graham Potter, a great example of someone who went abroad, not just for a sort of a, a season or two. He spent eight years at Ostersund, didn't he, and returned to have um, a successful managing career. He's been appointed manager at Brighton, of course, right now. And he won three promotions with Ostersund and a cup. So it was no wonder that Swansea offered him a job and gave him a bit of a chance over here. So hopefully his career um, will progress over here back in England. Steve Koppel, another familiar face. He actually applied his trade um, in India. Um, he was at Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, I should say, Crystal Palace, um, and another man who was boss at uh, at Brighton. Bit of a theme with managers abroad, then heading to to cut it at Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, but yeah, he's he's done really well over in, in the Super League with the Kerala Blasters. You kind of wondered where Steve Koppel had gone, hadn't you? But that's what he was doing. Um, he got to um, the final, unfortunately lost it, but since 2018 has been at um, ATK for a season and had been at a couple of clubs um, in India before that. So good on him for making the move. Um, Alan Pardew. Now, what happened to Alan Pardew? He had a career abroad which um, hasn't lasted very long, unfortunately. It ended in April this year. He was actually announced as the new head coach of um, ADO Den Haag, you might remember, in the uh, Dutch Eredivisie. He signed a contract until the end of the 1920 season, but he had just eight games in charge of them. He won only one, um, but his season was halted in the Netherlands in March due to coronavirus. Den Haag were actually just seven points from safety um, before the season was cancelled. There was no relegation, thank goodness. Um, there was a bit of a, a rumour that he was actually rewarded £100,000, which was a bonus for avoiding relegation, even though the season never finished and there was no relegation. Um, I know. And he, he came out and said, you know, in this difficult period, I would always return any bonus to the club, which will certainly find a good destination for it. So whether he was given it and he's handed it back, whatever happened, who knows? But he, he did leave there in 2020. But good on him for just kind of getting out there and and... and venturing abroad um, it's just a shame that that didn't quite work out for him so I'm sure his name is going to be in the mix yet again when jobs come up in the EFL I'm sure I have a lesser known name for you and 
clearly my motivation for this one, Stuart Baxter, is because he was born in Wolverhampton. <laughs> so I'm making that clear. Um, but I'm so proud of Stuart Baxter, um, as I'm sure a lot of his family and friends are. But, you know, to say that not many people maybe know that much about him, his CV is a glittering one. What a life this man has had. So any older listeners listening to this might remember Stuart as a player at Preston North End. He was a midfielder in the 1970s. His dad was Bill Baxter, who played for Wolves, actually. Um, But in terms of his managerial CV, he has had two spells in charge of the South African national team. Prior to that, he was with Finland. And then he's also managed extensively at club level as well. So he'd had spells where he was in Sweden, as well as Norway, Portugal, Japan, Turkey. Um, His only spell in England managing was with the under-19s, which he did for two years. Um, And right now, he's in India. He's currently managing Odisha FC in the Indian Super League. And that appointment happened earlier this year. It's worth noting with Stuart Baxter like think of this passport that he's got as well because he played all over the world too he's won league championships he's won cups he's won promotions and he's managed in the Champions League and the UEFA Cup and I still think that not many people know who Stuart Baxter is no yeah I can I completely get that um what do you say if you're from Wolverhampton Lindsay what's the yow now now thing that you say sometimes oh, um, yeah bab you're, you're doing all right <laughs> What y'all been up to? Well, we'll roll, yeah. Well, we can roll with that again because I have yet another Wolverhampton-born successful manager abroad. What about that? We've got a deluge. Oh, we're a talented bunch, let me tell you. Again, not much known about him, really. Um, And in terms of his managerial career, he's sort of pretty much near the beginning of it to a certain extent. Anyway, the guy I'm talking about, Mark Briggs, uh, he went through the academy system at West Brom, released when he was 21. At the moment, he is in charge of California-based side Sacramento Republic. It's one of uh, the biggest sides in the USL Championship, so the tier down from the MLS. Um, The club is going places, by the way. They're building a $226 million stadium because they're preparing to join the MLS in 20. 2022, except for that's now 2023 because of COVID. Um, How did he get there? Well, uh, as I said, he left West Brom. He ended up joining, um, via another couple of places, Wilmington Hammerheads as a player. And he started coaching there, began coaching the girls under 11s. I said to him, no, you can't have a big role here. You need to start at the bottom and work your way up. Now, here's a US election link. A very tenuous link, by the way. If you're thinking, oh, I've heard of Wilmington. Where have I heard of Wilmington? Well, Wilmington, Delaware is where Joe Biden has lived for over 60 years. Wilmington, North Carolina, though, is where our man Mark Briggs uh, was based. Anyway, he eventually became manager for Wilmington in North Carolina, had instant success. The side were bottom. He got them to the quarterfinals of the US Open Cup, which is like the FA Cup here. Um, They lost to Real Salt Lake, but the side was so... So impressed with him, as in Real Salt Lake, that they offered him a job as assistant manager. That uh, led him to be in charge of the Real Monarchs, who are um, Real Salt Lake's championship feeder club. Um, And then eventually he's ended up at Sacramento Republic. And I picked him out 
because actually he's really successful there. Um, the side are second in the USL Championship and they were due on Sunday to play the final to decide whether they won the league or not. But because of a positive COVID test in the Tampa Bay Rowdies, in fact, a few positive COVID tests there, um, they were the hosting finalists. So it's all been called off and it's not going to be rearranged either, apparently. So there is no champion at the moment of the USL Championship, um, but they sit second. Very good season indeed. The crowds there are great at the club as well, actually. Very, they are, you know, a big big club in terms um, of tier two over there. They get between 15 and 20,000 fans each game and the new stadium's going to have a new training facility state of the art all loads of american glitz all over it so yeah mark briggs doing very well stateside You're listening to The Offside Rule with Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Hello. Uh, listen, we're going to go back home now uh, as the English nation goes into lockdown, back into lockdown. Of course, Scotland and Wales have got their own versions, Northern Ireland too. Um, grassroots football is stopped. That's probably a debate for us another time, ladies. But the good news is, I suppose, that elite football continues and those non-elite teams in the FA Cup can continue with their ties as well. So we get to see uh, some of that in the FA Cup this weekend. So we've decided to take a chance to tell you about some of these teams so you can impress those around you come the weekend. And I've genuinely learnt quite a few things researching this topic, ladies. I don't know about you. I just want you to choose two each. Who wants to go first? So surprise, surprise, it's Concord Rangers. They're based in Canvey Island, Essex. They play in the National League South, where this season they're not doing so well. I think they're around 16th in the table at the moment in the sixth tier of English football. Uh, What's to love about them? Well, their nickname has to be one of the best. They're called the Beach Boys. Yes. Oh, I like that. Let's go stepping now, everybody. Exactly. I'm wondering how many puns I can get in at the weekend when I'm doing my reports of Beach Boys songs. Um, And that's because they're believed to be the only English team that have been named after a beach. Um, Now, in terms of names you might be familiar with, there is a manager who's doing pretty well who cut his teeth at this club, Concord Rangers, and his name's Danny Cowley. So you might remember. So he used to manage there. Um, He started out with a joint managing venture, not with his brother this time, but with a a gentleman called Danny Scopes. Um, And together they led the club to their first promotion to the Isthmian League. They then reached the playoff final in their first season. They reached the playoffs again a year later. Then they won the playoffs. So they were promoted to the Isthmian League Premier Division. Uh, 2012-13, they won the Isthmian League Cup, beating Dulwich Hamlet, who's a team we know very well, ladies, after going down there once with a drone. Um, Conference South level, uh, they won the first Essex Senior Cup together. Um, This partnership, Danny Cowley actually stayed there. He won three promotions with them, three cups uh, since his appointment. He left in 2014-15 for Braintree. And everyone knows what happened after that point. He's gone on to great success. Um, A gentleman called Adam Flanagan then took over, managed to retain the Essex Senior Cup. They are the only club that have won that three years in succession, the first time for 50 years that that had happened. Um, They reached the FA Cup fourth qualifying round in the 2017-18 season. um, And now they are in it, aren't they, for this first qualifying round against Stevenage this weekend. Sammy Moore is now in charge. He used to be Leatherhead manager um, as their player manager. And I can't wait to see them up close. 
Do you know, I just pictured a man with a leather head then. I I just suddenly my perhaps I've had too little sleep over the past few days with the US election. Do you know, there was another weird link to Dulwich Hamlet as well, but I'll come on to that with my second club. But weird how this is all interlinking. And indeed, it interlinks with this one as well, because there's not just Concord is there who are based in Canvey Island, Lindsay. I've gone for their main rivals, Canvey Island. Yes, that's right. Do we know about Canvey Island? Would you like to know a little, few little facts about it? It's a reclaimed island in the Thames estuary in Essex. Uh, it's uh, 7.12 square miles, population of uh, just over 38,000. <laughs> um, and it's separated from the mainland of South Essex by a network of creeks. That's why it's called an island. Uh, it's close to South End. You've got to go seven miles away for the big you know, tourist attractions, uh, ones that you'd like, like Adventure Island, Lindsay, or Southend Pier for you, Hayley. Um, On to the football. They're in the seventh tier, currently members of the Isthmian League North Division. They play at Park Lane, founded in 1926, known as the Gulls and the Islanders, which is pretty cool. Um, The club were really successful during their days in the local leagues. They won loads of cups and league competitions. Here's a nice little fact. Um, During those early years, the club appointed Dennis Neville as manager. It was his first job after leaving his position as the Dutch national team manager. Uh, the club's biggest success came in the FA Trophy in 2000-2001. They reached the final at Villa Park after beating three teams from the football conference uh, and they won the final. They beat Forest Green Rovers 1-0, becoming the first team from the Isthmian League to win the competition in 20 years. It'll cost you a tenner if you want to go and see them, except for you can't now, so I'll just bypass that one. Uh, they're playing Banbury United, who are a tier above them in the Southern League Premier Central. Um, it guarantees, by the way, this tie a non-league side in round two of the FA Cup. Player to watch out for, Connor Hubble. He's the man who's been banging in the goals this season. Hayley. Hey, well, of course I had to go for the fan-owned FC United of Manchester and a great advert for how a fan-owned club can work and succeed. Um, This was because a a few fans in 2005 were very unhappy about um, the American businessman Malcolm Glazer and his takeover of Manchester United. And I mean, just last night after United lost, of course, in Europe, Woodward and Glazer out was trending yet again. Um, And this has been an ongoing thing. So in 2005, what, 15 years ago, a club was formed and um, they entered the Division 2 of the Northwest Counties Football League and earned three consecutive promotions. Um, They were promoted for a fourth time then to the National League North in 2015-16. In cup competitions, they reached the second round of the FA Cup in 2010-11 and the fourth round of the FA Trophy in 2014-15. So yeah, they've been on upward trajectory. They're doing really well. Um, They have great crowds as well behind them, up to 4,000 attending games. They had actually ground shared um, from 2005 up until just six seasons ago with Bury at Gig Lane, but they opened their own ground in 2015 Broadhurst Park in the northeast of uh, Manchester. So they're the largest fan-owned football club. Um... Yeah, they, they, as I mentioned, they have one of the highest home attendances in the English non-league football, completely run by its members. They have equal voting rights and own one share in the club each. How does it work? Well, they operate as a community benefit society. So membership is is given to you when you pay a fee of £15. That's just 15 quid annually. 
three pounds for children, so you can you can join as a member as a kid. Each member receives one share in the club and entitled to a single vote at meetings, regardless of the amount that is is donated. You can donate up to more as well. There are eleven board members elected by the club, but completely fan owned and actually running and doing very well indeed. Fair play to them. Yeah, Lindsay, who are you going to chuck in? So let's go briefer with our next three ladies, um, Linz. Yeah, I'm just going to mention Scalmersdale United. They're based in Lancashire. A very long history to this club. They were formed in 1882. Um, and, and the thing that I liked about them was that they were a club that were formed by teachers um, from a school. Um, and they were all brought together. It's a very small mining community that had a very little population at the time, only about 5,000. And they started off by playing the reserve sides for some very big teams in the local area, Blackburn Rovers, Bolton Wanderers and Preston North End. And that's how really the, the side grew and became well known in the area. Uh, they play in the Northwest Counties Football League. They're managed at the moment by Paul McNally and they've been drawn away to Harrogate Town. So Skelmersdale United really doing it for the Lancashire lower leagues. Oh, well, I'm going to go Merseyside for Marine FC. They've got a cool name. They're in the Northern Premier League Division 1 Northwest. Um, it's the first their first time in the FA Cup in 25 years. That's part, part of the reason why I've picked them out. Based in Crosby. Um, the club was founded in 1894 to stick with our educational link, Lindsay. It was founded by a group of local businessmen and former college students. Hurrah! Um, it took its name from the hotel on the River Mersey seafront at Waterloo, seven miles to the north of Liverpool. Um, great fact about them. Well, the, the Dulwich Hamlet fact comes into this as well. They made an appearance in the FA Amateur Cup final in 1931-1932 version of the competition. They lost 7-1 to Dulwich Hamlet in front of a crowd of 22,000 at West Ham. They can lay claim to the, having had the longest serving manager in world football Lots of records we're mentioning on today's show. In 1972, Rowley Howard was appointed first team manager and completed 1,975 competitive games over a 33-year period. He is recognised in the Guinness Book of Records. What about that? Marine FC. Uh, Hayley. I will take you to the northeast of England and it's South Shields who are going to be playing Cheltenham Town. It's one of those clubs that have been reformed a couple of times. So officially formed in 1974, they have to say, but they have been around since um, the late 1800s. And they were actually the first real club to bear the name of their hometown. So South Shields is in the northeast. Famous for, do you know, ladies in South Tyneside, what South Shields is famous for? It's Catherine Cook's in country. Yes. So they have many, many visitors, lots of tourists heading up there. And some do get themselves off to a game uh, every now and again. So they've managed to collect um, quite a few. Um, they've managed to sort of pinch a few of these tourists as, as football fans. And um, they have a fan base of 21,000 on their Facebook page, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, they were a really successful club back in the early 1900s. They were FA Cup quarter finalists in 1926 and again in 1927, the following season. Um, they had a record of attendance, um, 24,348 fans when uh, they were denied by Swansea um, in the FA Cup. And they have a star player who plays for them at the moment. Um, can you guess who it is? He's a big a big name, played for Sunderland, played for Middlesbrough. Any guesses? 
Argentinian and played for the under-21 national team and the under-20s as well. What? Yeah, Julio Arca plays for them. Oh. Oh. Yeah, 17 goals for Sunderland in his six-year spell Which there. How Julio Arca 39, now? coming up for 40. But yeah, he's, <laughs> wow. he's, he's played for them for, 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 for a, little, a little while. Obviously, he must just enjoy living in the northeast. He's settled there and just likes to play for South Shield. So they, they have um, semi-professionals playing for them. So it's kind of part-time, full-time, even though they're obviously just um, an, an amateur football club. So... Yeah, anyway, Arca's been great for them and he's been part of the side that's helped them to three promotions and three cup wins. So a lovely little team in the northeast on the coast to yeah, look out for. Yeah, he's obviously been there a while as well. Um, all right, well, the FA Cup kicks off this Friday night. Harrogate Town take on Skelmersdale United and let's see how many upsets we get this time out. Still to come, we end on any other business. Well, as ever on the Offside Rule, we like to end on some shorter stories that may have slipped your radar and amongst all this election jazz, we call it any other business. Um, I'm going to kick us off with one, if that's OK. Um, this was floating around a little while ago, but I'm not sure if you've all caught it. Inverness Caledonian Thistle are using AI to help cameras at their ground film the match action. The AI camera basically follows the ball around, except for when your linesman has got a bold head, it follows the linesman around instead. So there was some hilarious match action, which didn't catch a lot of match action altogether, um, because instead of following the ball, it followed this linesman's bold head. <laughs> um, didn't work. Technology not working too well there. Lindsay. I have been alerted by a couple of friends this week to stories that would be perfect, the offside rule fodder for us. That they're, they're the sorts of stories that we've definitely covered in previous topics. Uh, one of them, when we've done early retirements in football, um, a former Rangers player, Luca Gasparotto, has retired from football aged just 25. What has he become? A tree surgeon. The full article is in the Scottish Sun and um, Darren, who's my friend, I saw him tweeting about it saying, talk about branching out. Um, so that that caught my attention. And then another friend sent me this story, which really made me giggle. And I thought the week that we're all having, we, we just want to be reminded of stories like this. Um, and it's from Sport Bible, a throwback to when Sanchez Watt, a player, by the way, was booked for kicking the ball away. The ref asked three times for his name and he replied three times, what? The ref then booked him again, sent him off. And then once the captain went over and explained that his name was actually what, the referee had to reverse the decision. <laughs> and that made me chuckle uh, for quite some time. Hayley. I'm going to tell you about a COVID keepy up challenge. And it's an 11 year old female called Imogen Papworth Heidel. And she has donations now on her, her page of £13,000. Even Marcus Rashford has donated to her page. She'd set the target of 7100 Why is that? Because she has done 7.1 million keepy uppies. That's right. Not her on her own. She got a little bit of help from people around the world. She'd put a Just Giving page up. She said, I'm doing at least 200 keepy-uppies each day until I reach the total, but I'm going to need some help. She said, I've listed nine key worker charities on my page. Some of them are personally important to me. Basically, her, both of her parents work for the NHS. Uh, she's from Cambridge and um, she's a big Arsenal fan. And she was inspired by 
uh, Captain Tom Moore, Sir Captain Tom Moore. Do you remember he completed a hundred laps of his garden before his hundredth birthday? Where she just said, "Yes, I don't think I'll be able to do seven point one million keepy uppies." Uh, she was going to try her hardest, um, but. Yeah, because of her mum and dad working for the NHS, she decided to to reach out um, to everyone on Instagram, Twitter, and she's had lots of donations and she's um, continuing with this challenge as well through this second lockdown. So massive well done to Imogen and lots of people as well, of course, raising money for charities who are so hard hit at the moment too. Well, we've been talking about the FA Cup, haven't we, this podcast, but I just want to throw in a little bit of perspective here, because while the FA has allowed the non-elite men's teams competing in the first round uh, to go ahead with their fixtures, um, Telegraph Sport were reporting on Wednesday that the women's non-elite clubs will not be allowed to compete in their FA Cup competition. Uh, the whole thing's going to be put on hold for the duration of the month of November. So, um, yes, um, arguably not much parity there. Um, quick US election related one. I don't know if you saw, but Alex Morgan has been telling her mum on Twitter that she'll unfollow her if her mum tweets out another message about how Trump is generally awesome. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty funny. Um, I'm going to end this show as well, um, finally, with with a bit of a tribute to a colleague of mine, uh, Linda O'Brien, who was a football reporter in the Midlands primarily and one of my colleagues at Premier League Productions. Um, It's been a tough week for a lot of us at the Premier League. Um, Unfortunately, she passed away um, from cancer um, at the end of last week. Uh, I just wanted to mention just the sterling work that Linda did um, over the years because a lot of people don't get to be acknowledged for a lot of the breakthrough work they've done. And I think as women working in football, we owe a lot to people like Linda. Um, she worked tirelessly across the Midlands patch. And that was really telling by the fact that all of these clubs have come out and, and paid tribute to her. West Brom, Wolves, Stoke, Leicester, Aston Villa. She was one of the reporters on site when Leicester City uh, lifted the trophy in 2016, the Premier League trophy. She was there. She had one of those smiles that would just put anybody at ease if she interviewed them. She was a savvy journalist, but she also never really put herself centre stage. She was always about putting the story first. Um, and she she just got on with the job and never moaned, never grumbled um, and was just very self-deprecating and humble with it. And I just wanted to mention, because if you if you Google her, there are some articles that have gone up. I know ITV News did a lovely tribute. And if you can just give two minutes of your time to read about this lady's life, she was fantastic. And it's really hit a lot of us hard. Um, but I just wanted to pay my own tribute to her because she was a wonderful colleague, a wonderful friend, and I think she's going to be missed greatly. she was one of the early stakeholders. Not many women in press conferences when she started out, Lynn's as well, and I think you're absolutely right to mention the fact that she wasn't after the limelight, she wasn't after proving a point necessarily. She just got on and did her job and did it really, really well. So well respected, and that's a a really nice tribute and a nice way to finish this podcast. All right, well, that is it for this week's show. Thank you for choosing to listen to us this week. You can let us know what you think by leaving a review. How do you do that, Hayley McQueen? 
simply head to the stars, click on the five star review, because that's the only kind of review we like receiving and write something lovely and positive in the comments below. No negativity whatsoever, because I mean, how could you? Yes, especially at times like this. Let's all be nice to each other. Uh, you can also speak to us via the socials. How do we do that, Lindsay? Go to at Offside Rule Pod to follow us on Twitter, which is the same for Instagram. And make sure as well you check out our website, which is Kate. It is OffsideRulePodcast.com. You'll find Team of the Week there. You'll find um, five things to look forward to for the weekend. This week's winners and losers um, and lots of feature articles there as well, both men's and women's football. And it's always, always a very interesting read. So head on over, folks. Uh, Lindsay, where can people find you this weekend? Oh, well, we know, don't we? FA Cup. Well, yes. So I will be at Stevenage against Concord Rangers and I feel like I'm already halfway there now with the prep. So thank you very much, ladies. And then Arsenal against Aston Villa. Um, Arsenal happened to be Linda's uh, team that she supported as well. So I'll be very happy to be there and hopefully uh, see them do well. Mm. Hayley, any big lockdown plans for you? Anything you're doing, creating? In this lockdown light? Well, I was supposed to be in the Cotswolds this weekend with a couple of friends, still in the tier rules at the time of booking it. Uh, I was going to be doing some water sports as well and having just a, a lovely little weekend away. So I now find myself with five days of annual leave at home with the baby, hoping it's not going to rain or snow or whatever else. And we can actually get outside a little bit. But no, it will just be lots of Sky Sports, Sky Sports news and hoping that we've got the ATP tennis coming up. I'm hoping that goes ahead. Um, probably just still with Sky News on in the background as well. Just just patiently waiting um, the news of the American election. So a little bit of news mixed in with with sport and listening to you on Times Radio, Kate. Hopefully, oh, that's I've very got a lovely. Few late shifts at, at Sky and enjoy listening to you on the way back. Thanks. Ah, very nice. I always get get some lovely messages from you, ladies. Um, well, yeah, um, I'll be uh, on the radio this weekend, um, doing a bit of sport as well. We are crowbarring. Well, not, we're not crowbarring, and we are going to introduce um, a little bit of sport into each show, which is great news for me as well. So, uh, I'll be staying tuned to everything across the weekend, and generally um, trying to get used to lockdown number two. If you're out there, take care. Hope uh, it's all going to go okay for you, and that you stay safe. And we are going to be continuing uh, during the next four week period so you won't miss a thing I promise so that's it from all of us goodbye from me yeah goodbye from me and enjoy the weekend everyone go wild but stay safe yes goodbye you've been listening to the Offside Rule part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. Muddy Knees Media Sports Social Podcast Network Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.